A good Wednesday morning to you. Another day of brutal cold and ice on top for tens of millions. And Al says the threat is far from over. It's February 1st. This is today. Paralyzing the South now firmly in the grips of that dangerous ice storm. When I say it's solid. Accidents, power outages, and canceled flights mounting overnight. While those brutally cold temperatures now stretch from the Rockies all the way to New England, we've got your full forecast. Emotional goodbye. Thousands expected to attend Tyree Nichols' funeral today. Justice for Tyree. Justice for Tyree. Justice for Tyree. Justice for Tyree. A live report from Memphis just ahead. Breaking overnight, ready to run, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley moving closer to announcing her White House bid, becoming the first official challenger to Donald Trump in the Republican race for president. We'll have the very latest. Courtroom drama, new revelations at the Alec Murdoch double murder trial. Did the South Carolina attorney confess on tape? So bad. The disputed audio now at the center of that closely watched case. All that plus Zoo Done It. Those rare monkeys stolen from the Dallas Zoo found alive. They're back home, they're safe. So who took them? This morning, the newest twist in that strange mystery. And family affair inside the Super Bowl's historic clash of the Kelsey brothers. It's definitely gonna be a it's gonna be an emotional game, that's for sure. And the super mom caught in the middle. Will she be Team Chiefs, Team Eagles, or a little bit of both? We'll ask Donna Kelsey live today, Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. It is good to have you with us on a Wednesday morning. Got Craig in early. Hoda's on assignment. Donna Kelsey, how do you choose? You don't. Well, she's she's going to be the only person that Sunday who wins. <laughs> um, it's it's they're calling it the Kelsey Bowl. Is that right? Yeah, two sons. This has never happened before. Never. I know. I was wondering Peyton and Eli, but they never met in a Super never Bowl. Met. All right, so we'll have an interview and a conversation with her in a bit. But we got to start with this severe weather. It is gripping much of the country right now. Thirty million people under winter weather alerts from New Mexico all the way to Virginia, a number that could grow in the coming days. In the meantime, that deadly ice storm is on the move across the south. It has been blamed for hundreds of crashes on slippery roads, thousands of flight delays or cancellations. Another major part of the weather story, bitter cold stretching from the Midwest to the Northeast with wind chills that could hit, get this, negative 60 in some places. All right, we've got Al warm and toasty in the studio. Got his eye on everything. Maggie Vespa in Chicago, not warm and toasty. Maggie, good morning. Hey, Savannah, Craig, good morning. Yeah, as you said, Chicago feeling the brunt of this Arctic blast right now downtown. It is, we can prove it, nine degrees feels like negative three. This as tens of millions of Americans, as you said, are waking up to winter weather warnings as the severe windy system marches east. This morning, bone chilling temperatures driving an extreme winter storm wreaking havoc nationwide. This severe system's icy grip now tightening on much of the south-central U.S. With the triple threat of freezing rain, sleet and snow disrupting travel, canceling schools, downing power lines and turning roadways into treacherous ice rinks. For this driver, one, two, three attempts 
and he still couldn't get up the hill. In Texas, icy conditions causing hundreds of crashes, killing at least three people. One of those deaths from this 10-car pileup in Austin. A sheriff's deputy in the city rushed to the hospital after being hit by this 18-wheeler that slid right off the road. You have no idea that what you're about to cross uh, is ice. Uh, And if you hit your brakes on it, it can cause your car to completely lose control. The Dallas area slammed with thunder sleet and setting a new snowfall record Tuesday entirely from the icy mix. When I say it's solid, I mean it's solid. In Missouri, it was wrecks piling up, with semi-trucks losing control and adding to the chaos. Similar stories of treacherous commutes in Kentucky. It's just a sheet of ice out here. And Arkansas, where a big mess on the interstate brought traffic to a standstill for hours as power lines went up in flames. Don't be like me and don't go out if you don't have to. (laughs) Meanwhile, the bitter cold is battering the Midwest. In some places, wind chills dropped to 46 below. In Chicago, where temps Tuesday dipped below zero and steam could be seen rising off of Lake Michigan, some were determined to see the bright side. I think it's spectacular. It's a gorgeous day. (laughs) Can you feel your cheeks? Barely. I can barely feel mine either, guys. And by the way, the other ripple effect of this system, sort of the repeat story of the season, is chaos for air travel, particularly for flights going through Dallas. Check out today's numbers. Close to 500 delays, more than 1,400 cancellations already today. That's close. That's on top of close to 2,000 cancellations yesterday. So if you are traveling, if you are flying, it's a good time to sign up for those airline alerts and also have a backup plan. Savannah. Yeah, that's rough. Maggie, thank you. All right, let's get a little bit more on where all of this is headed. For that, we turn to Miss Roca. Those ice storms, uh, those look pretty bad. Yeah, it's still pretty much where we've been saying over the last, uh, really, uh, 48 hours, 30 million people impacted from the Pacific, I should say from New Mexico, right on through Arkansas and in the even parts of the Appalachians. We are looking right now, you can see the temperatures, 36 in Lufkin, it's raining, but 26 in Abilene, you've got an icy mix there, and this is the story for the day. We're going to see rounds of this next round of ice impacting from Tennessee down to Texas. Hazardous travel, down trees, power lines, going to be a real mess. Tomorrow, it's more of a warm sector thing. And so we're going to be looking at heavy rain spreading through the southeast, high rainfall rates. There is the risk for some flooding throughout the southeast. And then by Friday, the front moves off the coast, isolated showers and storms over northern Florida. But then it gets out of here again, though, the ice crippling potentials from San Angelo, down. Dallas, Lubbock, Odessa into Little Rock and Memphis and well, Texarkana also included in that heavy rain stretching from parts of eastern Louisiana all the way through the Carolinas. So we're going to watch for potential flooding there. And of course, the cold, the other big story. We have dangerous wind chill factors that right on through the weekend, some wind chills 30 to 60 degrees below zero. Right now, the wind chill in Chicago, as Maggie said, minus seven, 16 in Memphis. Dallas, it feels like 20 degrees. New York City feels like 22 with an air temperature 27. By the way, we got our first measurable snowfall in New York City this uh, morning. How much? Central Park. Uh, Four-tenths of an inch so oh, far. That's okay, what it but you so, could measure it. Measure. Counts. <laughs> I broke the record. Okay, so Albany tomorrow morning. Uh, Saturday morning, I should say, minus 29, minus 4 in Philadelphia. Record lows, likely air temperatures. State College, PA, 5. But the good news is that big chill exits by the weekend. 
Boston, you'll be at 28 on Tuesday. New York City, 33. Uh, Williamsport, 31. Pittsburgh, up to 34. So, guys, there is an end in sight. Okay. The ice ends in the next 24 hours down to the south. Our big chill leaves by Monday. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Also this morning, family and friends are gathering in Memphis for the funeral of Tyree Nichols, who died after being brutally beaten by police. And on the eve of that service, his family made another public demand for more accountability in this case. NBC's Priscilla Thompson on the story for us once more. Priscilla, good morning. Savannah, good morning. That funeral service is set to begin here in just a few hours. What is sure to be an incredibly emotional day for the family of Tyree Nichols and also the community after weeks of agony. This morning, the family of Tyree Nichols is preparing for one last goodbye. Speaking in the same place Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his last speech 55 years ago. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. Nichols's family vowing to press on toward Dr. King's mountaintop in Tyree's name. We got a long fight ahead of us. That's right. And we got to stay strong for it. That call for change comes as the investigation into the officers charged with Nichols's murder intensifies. Two Memphis residents telling NBC News exclusively they had a violent encounter more than two years ago with one of the former officers now charged in Nichols's death. Glenn Harris and Demarius Hervey admit they fled in a car when surrounded by officers because they had a registered handgun and a small amount of pot. But when police stopped them a short time later, they say now ex-cop Emmett Martin III pulled a gun and threatened to shoot them both in the face. Harris alleging even more disturbing details, adding that Martin III pinned him down, put a knee on his neck, and pointed his gun at his head, saying, I'll blow your face off. They never filed a complaint. Martin's lawyer and the city's police union did not respond to NBC's request for comment. The allegations, the latest claim being made against the Memphis Police Department in the wake of Nichols's deadly beating. Seven officers are off the job, including five terminated and charged with murder. Attorneys for two of the men charged say they'll plead not guilty. It comes as the disciplinary records of the other former officers are coming to light, including two who were previously disciplined, according to personnel files reviewed by the New York Times. Desmond Mills Jr. and Demetrius Haley were both reprimanded for failing to file mandatory reports about use of force after making arrests that involved physical force. Through it all, Nichols' family calling for calm as they prepare to lay him to rest. As my brother was here today and if he had to say something, he would tell us to do this peacefully. So Priscilla, Tyree Nichols will be laid to rest today. The family's also getting ready for a call to action. What is that? That's right, Savannah. They say that they want everyone who was on scene that night to be fired and charged accordingly. Already three EMTs have been fired and a number of sheriff's deputies and police officers are also still under investigation. And they're also calling for an end to qualified immunity, a defense that often shields officers from being sued. Savannah. All right, Priscilla, thank you. We turn now to that high stakes meeting at the White House today. President Biden sitting down with new House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to talk about a wide range of issues led by the ongoing standoff between Democrats and Republicans over the nation's debt limit. NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Walker, has the very latest on all of this. So, Kristen, what's the likelihood that they make any real progress? 
Craig, the reality check here, good morning to you, is that the expectations could not be lower for this meeting. There's really almost no chance that President Biden and Speaker McCarthy will make progress on reaching a deal to raise the debt limit. Instead, think about this meeting of more of a starting point. Both sides are going to draw lines in the sand. And President Biden has said, look, he's not going to negotiate a deal to raise the debt limit, which just to remind everyone is like the balance on a credit card. It's the debt that America has already racked up. Speaker McCarthy, though, has said, He's not going to vote to raise the debt limit unless they also find spending cuts. So the White House is accusing Republicans of trying to cut things like Medicare and Social Security. McCarthy's insisting that's not the case, but he also hasn't been specific about what he does want to cut. So realistically, both sides probably won't reach a deal until this summer. That's typically how things go down here in Washington. That's the date when the nation would actually default. And if that happens, experts warn that could lead to economic calamity, which would really impact so many Americans across the country. And meanwhile, politics, the presidential race starting to kick into high gear. We're learning that Trump may have his first official opponent, Nikki Haley, getting ready to run. Savannah, this is a major shakeup in the Republican primary. You're absolutely right. It's not altogether unexpected, though. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, as you say, is signaling she's going to run for president. And three sources familiar with the plans are telling NBC News she's previewing a mid-February announcement in Charleston. So why is this significant? Well, look, she would be the first official 2024 challenger to former President Donald Trump. And Haley, of course, served as Mr. Trump's ambassador to the U.N. And remember, she initially said she would not challenge her former boss, but clearly that is changing. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, Savannah. Over the weekend, Mr. Trump said Haley had actually called him to say she was considering running, and he told reporters he advised her to do it. He also took the chance to take a not-so-subtle swipe at her, though, noting that Haley had publicly said she wouldn't run against him. Big picture, though, remember how Mr. Trump got the nomination back in 2016. The GOP field was just so splintered that it really helped pave his path. So the question now is, will we see a similarly crowded field in 2024? We know that one additional person will be in the mix, Savannah. Yeah. A lot of people drop in not so subtle hints, too. Kristen, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Got to follow Thanks. up now to a story we told you about on Monday. The suspect at the center of a manhunt in Oregon is dead this morning after an hours long standoff with police. Police are telling local media there that 36-year-old Benjamin Foster died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Foster was on the run for several days, accused of torturing a woman he held captive in Grants Pass, Oregon. That victim is still in critical condition. Also this morning, we are learning more about the evidence against Alec Baldwin and a weapons specialist after they were officially charged with involuntary manslaughter in that fatal shooting on the set of their movie Rust. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has been following this one from the very beginning. He joins us with those new details. Miguel, good morning. Craig, good morning. With Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez-Reed now formally charged, new court documents allege a laundry list of critical missteps that led up to the fatal shooting. In those documents, Baldwin is accused of willful disregard and negligence. The DA laying out a case that could carry, if convicted, up to six and a half years in prison. Calling his behavior reckless on the set of Rust, the district attorney says Alec Baldwin directly caused the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. 
but Baldwin told investigators he was thoroughly trained. In a new statement of probable cause, the DA says Baldwin was not present for required firearms training prior to the commencement of filming, then was later distracted and talking on his cell phone to his family during the training, cutting the hour-long session in half. The DA saying they have photos and video that clearly show the actor's finger on the trigger multiple times. I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them. With Baldwin's attorney calling the charges a miscarriage of justice, the DA pointed to the actor's public assertion he is an expert in the realm of firearms and filmmaking. Investigators say Baldwin should have never handled the weapon in a negligent manner. The gun was in his hand when he pulled the trigger, and that was the main action that killed Helena Hutchins. After finding six live rounds on the set, including one on Baldwin's holster, the DA believes Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer, loaded the gun given to Baldwin. With the 25-year-old also charged with involuntary manslaughter, her attorneys say Gutierrez-Reed asked to use a plastic gun for the rehearsal and was told no. Her lawyers adding, we will fight these charges. Why was Hannah Gutierrez-Reed charged with involuntary manslaughter? She was in charge of the actual weapons and making sure they were secure and safe. This morning, allegations of a fatal chain of critical mistakes as the actor and armorer faced the possibility of serious prison time. Prosecutors also alleging new details related to the original camera crew who quit and were replaced one day before the shooting, partially over safety concerns. They say Helena Hutchins and the director were supposed to be outside during the fatal scene, but because of the abrupt crew change, they decided to be in the church with Baldwin. The DA added that Baldwin, as a producer, failed to act to address any safety or continuity concerns with that new crew. Craig. All right. That national correspondent, Miguel Amo, get for us. Miguel, thank you. A lot more to get to this morning. Just a couple weeks after someone hit that massive $1.3 billion Mega Millions prize, another lottery jackpot is growing. This time it's the Powerball. And the top prize is now up to $653 million. That is the eighth highest Powerball jackpot of all time. No one has won it since November, so the prize money has just been rolling over and growing ever since. The next drawing is tonight, so get your tickets if you are feeling lucky. Yeah. All right. Mr. Roker's back now to look at the uh, rest of the national forecast. What are we looking at? Well, right now we're looking sunny and warm weather for our friends down in Florida. So that's where you're looking for a little warmth and sunshine. You might want to head down there. Bitter cold in the plains. That ice storm firing up again. Texas all the way into Tennessee and beautiful weather out west. A few snow showers as you get into parts of western Montana. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Roker. Thank you. Still ahead here on a Wednesday morning. Dramatic new testimony in that double murder trial of prominent South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch, what his final text message to his wife is revealing, and the major question raised in court, did Murdoch actually confess to killing his son? We'll have the latest on that. All right, and then we'll have some potentially good news if you've been struggling with those sky-high food prices. Inside, the new push by some major stores to lower your next grocery bill. How about that? But first, this is Today on NBC. We'll take it. How about that? Oh, 
We're back 7.30. Soak up this shot if you can't soak up the sun. <laughs> Miami Beach, Florida, one of the very few places in this country <laughs> not dealing with cold, not dealing with ice. It's sunny, 74. Drink it all in. Good morning, Miami Beach, and good morning mm-hmm. to you. That's why people love Miami yeah. right there. Uh, meanwhile, with Hoda on assignment, Chanel joining us for the rest of the morning. Good Always morning. Good to see good you. Uh, let's get a check of those 7.30 headlines right now. And we start with some big consumer news. The Biden administration is looking to clamp down on those massive leak fees on credit cards. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is proposing some new rules that would cap fees at $8 for late or missed payments. The agency says the change could save American families up to $9 billion a year. Today's announcement starts the clock on a formal public comment period. Bad news this morning for the popular home goods chain Bed Bath & Beyond. The company announcing it's going to close 87 more stores nationwide. That is on top of the 150 stores that were already on the chopping block. The company also said it's going to shutter all of its harm and face values health and beauty stores. According to media reports, Bed Bath & Beyond could be preparing to file for bankruptcy as soon as this week. Buffalo Bill safety DeMar Hamlin is teaming up with the American Heart Association to encourage people to learn CPR. Hamlin took to Instagram yesterday to announce the Damar Hamlin three for heart challenge. It's a three-step process for people to learn how to perform the emergency life-saving procedure. Participants are encouraged to nominate three people to participate. Hamlin challenge quarterback Tom Brady, former first lady Michelle Obama, and Lakers star LeBron James. There he goes. He's already changing Making the world. He said he would. Um, meanwhile, down in South Carolina, in Craig's neck of the woods, another day of dramatic testimony expected. This trial of Alec Murdoch closely watched a prominent South Carolina attorney, South Carolina attorney now accused of killing his wife and son. In the spotlight, words from Murdoch himself in both text messages and video recordings in the wake of those murders. NBC's Katie Beck has been following this story for us. Katie, good morning to you. Well, good morning, guys. A big focus over the past few days, a statement Alec Murdoch made to investigators just a few days after the murders. Investigators say this statement stood out to them because it sounded incriminating, sort of like a confession. Murdoch's attorneys pushing back, saying they didn't hear it that way. With the trial now in its second week, the focus in a South Carolina courtroom is centering around the words of Alec Murdoch, the former high-profile attorney accused of killing his wife Maggie and son Paul on the family's sprawling property back in 2021. On Tuesday, the jury shown Alec's final text message to Maggie. Call me, babe. That message left unread, sent a short time after prosecutors say Maggie and Paul had been gunned down. But it was a five-word statement made by Murdoch in a lengthy interview with police three days after the murders that both sides have scrutinized in court. According to investigators, I did him so bad as Murdoch tearfully discussed his son. But the defense pushing back, arguing Murdoch said they and not I, even playing a slowed down version of that audio for the jury. Still, Jeff Croft, a senior special agent with South Carolina's Law Enforcement Division, maintaining he heard I. In cross-examination, the defense questioning Croft. Why, if he believed Murdoch made a possible confession, Croft only made what he called a mental note. If the guy in the middle of the circle, the only one in the circle, says, I did him so bad, isn't that a significant statement if he actually said that? Definitely something we would follow up with. 
A forensic expert later also revealing Maggie's phone had been in airplane mode with the Wi-Fi turned off, though still able to capture device activity. Within a space of about two minutes, you see three separate calls from Alex's phone incoming into Mer- uh, excuse me, Maggie's phone. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Prosecutors seeming to suggest someone picked up Maggie's phone minutes after her murder. It appears the phone's being moved and the camera's activating in the background to see if it would recognize somebody's face that would unlock it. All right, Katie, the trial, of course, continuing today. What, what else could we learn in court from those cell phones? Well, I think one of the biggest piece of evidence in this case, Craig, at least of what we've heard so far, the one everyone seems to be waiting for, is a cell phone video that was taken from Paul Murdoch's phone inside that kennel about an hour before Alec dialed 911. Paul is actually showing a friend the condition of his dog in that kennel, and prosecutors say you can hear Alec Murdoch's voice in the background. You don't physically see him on camera, but you hear him. That places him at the scene just an hour before that 911 call. Blows a pretty big hole in the alibi if the jury believes it, because Murdoch says he was never inside that kennel that night until he discovered the bodies. Craig? Yeah, case for the timeline so important. Katie, back. Katie, thank you. All right, still ahead, those missing monkeys at the Dallas Zoo found miles away inside an abandoned home. The question's now, who took them? And is there a connection to other mysterious incidents at that same zoo? We'll have the latest. But first, the Kelsey family Super Bowl showdown. Travis, star for the Chiefs. Jason, plays for the Eagles. <laughs> who will mom root for? Well, let's put the question directly to her. Mrs. <laughs> Kelsey, Donna Kelsey, right there waiting for us. We're going to chat with her about her yeah. history-making family right <laughs> after this. back with a big talker on the road to Super Bowl 57. Ah, yes. Fans of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles are gearing up for an epic clash. But our next guest is in a very tricky spot. She actually roots for both teams. She's officially neutral. Her name is Donna Kelsey, and now you know why. She's the first mom in history to have two sons, Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, Jason Kelsey for the Eagles. They will play on opposing teams during the big game. So we're going to talk to Mrs. Kelsey live in just a moment, but first a look back at the family's journey. For Donna Kelsey, Super Bowl 57 is about much more than which team hoists the Lombardi Trophy. She will make history as the first mom to have two sons face off on the NFL's biggest stage. My mom can't lose. I'll just leave it at that. Jason Kelsey, an all-pro center for the Eagles, and younger brother Travis, the all-pro tight end for the Chiefs, are both stars for their respective teams. Now, the brothers are ready to take that sibling rivalry to the next level. Jason joking with reporters before the Chiefs game Sunday. Win or lose, I'm done being a Chiefs fan in three hours. But even leading up to one of the biggest games of their careers, both brothers are known for supporting each other. You won't see me talking too much trash because of how much respect and how much uh, I love uh, I love my brother. But um, it's just it's definitely going to be a it's going to be an emotional game. That's for sure. Donna always trying to be in two places at once, proudly sporting a split. Eagles Chiefs jersey. She was watching Jason's game in person at the Eagles Lincoln Financial Field before flipping over to Travis's Chiefs game. But she knows exactly where she's headed in just under two weeks. The NFL calling the upcoming game the Kelsey Bowl, joining millions of football fans wondering, who's she rooting for? 
The brothers, who both play offense, won't actually take the field at the same time, but the game is sure to be a nail-biter for their parents, Donna and Ed, who will be watching to see which of their sons will claim their second Super Bowl ring. Well, how fun is this? We've got Donna Kelsey with us this morning. Let's just get it out of the way. Are you rooting for any particular team in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. The offense. <laughs> uh, Every well, time somebody has the ball. <laughs> yeah, well said, Mom, since both of your boys play offense. Well, how does it feel to be you right now? You're the only mother ever to have two sons in the Super Bowl facing each other. Well, you knew it was going to happen eventually to somebody because there are so many brothers in the NFL right now that are playing at a very high level. It just, you know, happened to be that we were the lucky ones first. So I think it's probably going to be more and more prominent. I mean, for you as, as a mom, you've spent just, I would imagine, countless hours watching your sons play football growing up. And here they are at the apex of it uh, in less than two weeks. Is this a dream come true for you or are you going to be nervous as, as, as all get out? Yeah, no, th- I, I'm a true fan of football. This is going to be so awesome. They've already got the first win under their belts. So this is going to be just pure joy. I mean, we're going to really enjoy this. Um, have a great time. Obviously, there's going to be somebody that's going to go home heartbroken, but uh, they won't have the you know bragging rights at the Thanksgiving table. But, uh, you know, this is going to be an awesome event, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, tell us about these boys of yours. I mean, do they have that sibling rivalry? Are they competitive at all? <laughs> Oh geez, um, yeah, there were a lot of a lot of fights, a lot of you know. I mean, it was just everything was a competition. It was a competition to see who could get to the table first, who could get in the front seat of the car. This is just it's just typical sibling rivalry. They egged each other on. Travis was always trying to you know um, get at his older brother to pay attention to him so you know there were a lot of fights so it's just that's the way boys are how do do you think you're going to do on Super Bowl Sunday when you're there in the stands I'll just be so elated probably some tears yeah and uh, just will be a very very emotional moment what do you tell that son uh, who who doesn't win on, on Sunday what do you what do you say to him how do you console him there, there isn't any, anything I could possibly say. Um, just give them a hug and, you know, tell them, you know, tell them that I love them. That's it. That's all you can do. We hear the emotion in your voice. It's not just a game. I mean, your mom, these are your sons. They are at the top of their game, the top of their profession. Yep. What does that mean yep. to you? Just such a surreal um, drive. You know, you see them as kids and you wonder how they're going to um, relate to other children. Um, and, and you don't really know. I, you're, they're the best in their city, the best maybe in their state. And you don't know how that's going to relate to the rest of the country. You just have no idea. So um, I, I know they were very talented. They were very athletic. And it was a joy to go to all the games with lacrosse and baseball and hockey. And, you know, they played almost every single sport mm. you can think of, basketball. So it's just been a pure joy to watch them compete and be allowed to do it for this many years. Mm. It's just amazing. Donna, I want to go back to, to something we asked you a few moments ago because you're wearing your, your split jersey there. Full disclosure, 
I'm a yeah. Chiefs fan. My son's a huge Chiefs fan. He actually interviewed Travis a couple of months ago. <laughs> and Patrick yeah, I, remember, I remember that. So, yeah. I, I mean, in your heart of hearts, Donna, yeah. if, if, you, if you had to pull oh my for one team. <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to ask that. I can tell you that. I can tell you this. It's not, it's not a team. It's, you know, both fan bases are absolutely amazing. Um, just give everything that they have, you know, to, um, on game day. Yeah. And I think that Jason would say that I am going to root for the baby of the family, which is Travis. Mm -hmm. And I keep trying to tell him, no, you've given me grandchildren. So (laughs) we'll leave it at that. It's always about the grands. Well, okay, so let me just, let me, let me ask you this. I think you can answer it. We're going to roll some video. I don't know if you can see it. Who has the better dance moves, Jason or Travis? Because we're, we're looking at Jason here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. We were shocked because he doesn't do that that often. <laughs> okay, well, game on. Donna, yeah. enjoy the game. You're a winner. Thank you. You know, raising two successful know, kids. Regardless, this is going to be just so much fun. Uh, I mean, somebody's going to win. So, I mean, how, how much better can are. it be? Yeah, you're going exactly. to win. Go offense. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, what a treat. What a love. She says she's also rooting for a high-scoring game. Oh, yeah. They're both on the offense. There you go. Like that. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Roker. That was great. Mom's love. You can't beat it. Uh, We are looking at sunny, warm conditions down through Florida. We've got uh, chilly conditions here in the Northeast. New York City, as we mentioned, getting its first measurable snow. Ice storm going to be brewing from Texas, heading on up into Tennessee. Bitter cold in the plains, making its way south. Gorgeous weather out west. And that is is your latest weather. Did you notice how Melvin tried to get her to I say she? Yeah, I, I, I know we're shameless. I, 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 truly. What a, what, we're Eagles fans. I you didn't see us saw, trying to do sorry, it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and you almost got it. I too. did. Yeah. Good, good work, friend. Uh, coming up inside that new push to actually drive down those soaring grocery prices. Why some major stores actually want you to pay less. But first, these messages. <laughs> 